Oh, very good morning, Amokyo family. Morning to the boys, teachers, uh, VP, officers of the Boys Brigade enrollment uh, service we are going to hold today. After two years of hiatus, right, we are not able to hold this enrollment service. We are finally able to welcome the boys to join us physically. Well, let's another t- give them a round of applause to warmly welcome them. I believe their family members um, might be around with us too. We just want to warmly welcome you. Those joining us online, we also want to warmly welcome you. Hope to see you soon in person. Well, today as we are in this world, you know, we read a lot of news, right? We are bombarded with it. We go on social media for the younger ones, or we read the newspaper, or we watch television. We are bombarded with this, a lot of news. And these two news articles caught my attention uh, this week and the previous week. Uh, and, the, and the two of them, and two articles are engineering student admits detonating homemade bombs at East Coast Park. Well, we have students in our midst, uh, so I purposely picked up the two <laughs> articles relating to students. Right? And the second one is trainee lawyers cheating in a bar exam that also caught my attention. Well, I'm not here really to highlight these two cases to judge them or to um, make a judgment or to embarrass these people. In fact, my point here to highlight these two articles is really to say that we all make mistakes. Well, including me, right, on the way to uh, church this morning, make my wife angry. I better say sorry before I uh, preach a sermon. Right? So, we all make mistakes. Right? That's my point. We all make mistakes. Some mistakes are severe, that it goes on the news, and some needs an apology, a sincere sorry from the bottom of our heart. But today, our passage is taken from Genesis 37, and it has two famous stories well, that are filled with mistakes. The first is Joseph's dreams, you know, where he dreamed uh, two dreams uh, talking about his family members, right? And the second story is where Joseph was sold by his brothers. They wanted to kill him at first, but they end up selling him, and he end up in Egypt. Both stories are filled with mistakes. Well, the first is Joseph's father, who is Jacob. Okay, Joseph's father, who is Jacob, made a mistake of favoritism. Well, first mistake. Second is Joseph made a mistake of opening his mouth, his big mouth in fact, and hurt his family's feelings. Second mistake when he talked about the dream. The third mistake is Joseph's brothers right, made a huge mistake in selling Joseph away. So these two stories are filled with mistakes just like you and me. Well, to give some context of who Joseph is, if you're hearing for the first time about Joseph, Joseph is one of the 12 sons of Jacob. Uh, so he had 11 brothers. And the Bible tells us that Jacob loves Joseph more than any other of his other sons. And the age of 17, right? Somewhere close to around your age, maybe the primers, those in white in front of me. At the age of 17, he was a shepherd boy, pasturing the flock with his brothers. But Joseph, while he's doing his job as a shepherd boy, he will go and tell tales of his brother's evil or wrongdoings to the father. Basically, pauto, uh, you know, pauto them to the father. Interestingly enough, right, this is not the reason the brothers hated him. Right? The, the Bible tells us in verse 4, when his brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. So the reason that they hated him is not because... Joseph told tales of them, but because the father practiced favoritism and loved him more than them. 
Well, unknowingly, the very act of, Joseph, of Jacob loving Joseph caused his sons to hate Joseph. In this article by today, do you have a favourite child? This marriage and family therapies and relationship matters called Miss Swani Koo explained that parental favouritism could have detrimental and long-lasting effects on children. Issues of favouritism do not go away if they are unaddressed and many adults remember how they were unfavoured when they were a child. This affects their sense of self and their relationships in adult life. Now, so when I was growing up in Sunday school, this story of Joseph being sold by his brothers always portrayed the brothers as the perpetrators, right? The bad guy. Rightly so, because they were the ones who sold Joseph away. However, Jacob has a hand in it too. If you read scripture carefully, Jacob practiced favoritism, causing the other sons to hate Joseph. So whether you are a parent, whether you are a child that has siblings, or whether you are a supervisor over a team of people at work, or just working with colleagues, I'm sure we have practiced some form of favoritism in one way or another. Maybe to a child that is easier to manage, he or she is less demanding, and the smile on his or her face just brighten up your day. Or maybe it's the colleague at work who is so easy to work with. You know, the person just say one word and you understand. You get a good connection and chemistry at work. Versus the other colleague who tries so hard to help, but just by doing it causes more problems and more pain that you have to undo. Maybe it's a friend in school where you can just connect better and the other friend just by his mere presence ticks you off. Now back to the question of favoritism on Jacob. Why put the blame for favoritism totally on Jacob? The answer is actually no. Well, he is the product of his parents, right? He learned parenting from his parents and his parents are Isaac and Rebecca. Right? Isaac and Rebecca gave birth to twins which are Esau and Jacob. And the Bible tells us that Isaac loved Esau, the older brother, and Rebekah loved Jacob. Now, there was also favoritism between the brothers, the twin brothers, which led to Rebekah helping Jacob to trick Isaac to believe that Jacob is Esau. The story where at the, at the bed, Rebekah brought Jacob, put wool on his hand so that Isaac can touch his hand and trick Isaac to believe that that is Esau. In fact, that was Jacob. So Isaac was also a product um, and practiced favoritism. But he too was also a product. His father is Abraham. Uh, Abraham also practiced favoritism. Right? Abraham chose Isaac over Ishmael. Right? So right from the start, if you can see, I traced three generations. From Abraham favoring Isaac, Isaac to Jacob, and now Jacob to Joseph. Now do you see a trend here? Right? A trend of favoritism passed through the generations from parent to child and then after that downwards. So favoritism really can be seen as a generation curse that will haunt our children and grandchildren. can be like a cancer that grows and grows and grows, causing pain and suffering to the ones we love. Well, if you find yourself in the same situation as our Bible characters, either you are a favorite at home or you are the unfavored, well, there is good news and hope for us all. If you are the favored one, don't take pride. 
Because that may lead to your downfall like Joseph. Joseph went from the favorite child to an enslaved um, prisoner and later on, an enslaved person to be, and later on to be a prisoner. And if you are not the favorite one, you know, you feel that your siblings or someone else is always the favorite one, be it at work or at home, don't take revenge because that too will be a downfall like Joseph's brothers. So we can see from these three generations of favoritism in the Bible of the harm, the pain, and the suffering that people have to go through. But in this story, we see that God can turn our weaknesses, our issues, our problems into good. And that's in Genesis 37, verse 5 to verse 8, where Joseph talked about this dream. And let's see the second mistake he got himself into. Reading from verse 5, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to him, he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to rule over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he has said. Well, this is the word of the Lord. In this account in Genesis, Joseph you know, opened his big mouth and started telling his dream. He made a mistake, made a big mistake, because he implied that he will rule over them. Okay, can you imagine your youngest in the family you know, trying to talk big? Their feelings were hurt. This person who made this mistake of telling the dream became the second most powerful person in Egypt. He had the vision, he had the planning, he had the resources to gather up food to prepare for a famine. But when he was younger, younger, clearly he wasn't very smart because he opened his mouth too fast and too soon. Well, if he was, maybe Joseph was a little bit smarter, a little bit wiser back then, he would not have spoke about it. Instead, keep quiet and maybe at the appropriate time, let the family know about the dream. Well, nonetheless, right, the mistake has been made too late. Well, feelings has been hurt, words have been said. And now comes Genesis 37, verse 12. Well, now his brothers has gone to graze their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel, who is Jacob, said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Verse 17. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. They said, here comes that dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Right? Can you imagine? Because of his big mouth, he told them about his dreams, their feelings were hurt. They were so angry, bitter, upset that they want to kill him. Well, for those who do not know the ending of this story, not familiar with this passage, and do not wish to be left hanging, right? Don't want to leave you on a cliffhanger. This is not Netflix. Let me give you a summary and a lesson, and the lesson to learn from this. Joseph, by the grace of God, was not killed, was not left to die, but instead sold as a slave to Egypt. And there he went from an enslaved person to a prisoner, and then to the second most powerful man in Egypt. Well, the lesson we can learn here is God can turn our mistakes into good. God can turn our mistakes into good. 
In the passage we just read, Joseph's brothers plotted evil against him, right? They were mean, they were cunning, they had an evil plan. And God disapproved of this treacherous plan, disapproved of it totally in every sense. But in one way or another, Joseph would go to Egypt and he would reach a place where God would use him mightily to be a blessing to others. Truly, really, if you look at the story of Joseph, and even in our own lives, it's a testimony of God's ability to bring the good out of the bad. But let me repeat that again. The story of Joseph and our lives is simply a testimony of God's ability to bring the good out of the bad. Now think about it, right? If God cannot use our sinful choices, the mistakes that we made, the words that we said, right, the wrong words that we said, we are actually limiting His sovereignty. We are putting Him in a box, right? We are limiting, say, oh, you only can do this much. You cannot be sovereign over my own life, my whole life, my mistakes. But when we see that God's sovereignty is bigger than that, bigger than our mistakes, bigger than the tremendous mistakes that we will make or we have made, we see that God's hope and grace is even greater, greater than our mistakes. Give you a modern example of Joseph is this story of um, Bethany Hamilton. Uh, watch this story uh, when I was about your age, around, somewhere around secondary school. I was quite fascinated by it because uh, at the age of 13 years old, somewhere around really the set one's age, 13 years old, she, was, she wanted to make surfing a career, turn professional. She was out surfing one night when she was attacked by a 4.3 tiger shark and lost one of her arms. And maybe at that point, I was so intrigued by it because I was maybe watching uh, Yang Kuo and Xiao Long Nui by Christopher Lee and Fan Wong during that period of time. Um, so this lady, Bethany Hamilton, at that moment when she was attacked by the tiger shark, her dreams were shattered. After her surgery and after her stay in the hospital, reality finally hit her. And she was lost. Questions keep coming to her head. Why did this have to happen? Why did she have to lose everything? And more importantly, if she can't be a surfer, if she aspire to be, she dreamed to be this surfer, this person, who is she? So, by the grace of God and really amazing, amazing story, one month after the attack, she returned to surfing and won her first national surfing title within two years. Well, that's because of Bethany's faith in Jesus, which has been her strength and foundation that helped her to recover strongly and live a fulfilled life. Today, she's happily married, three children, speaks on international platforms to encourage you and me to really share her story out there. And as she shares it, we can see how God can turn a mistake or a weakness into a powerful testimony because He is a sovereign God. And we can watch her story in this movie called Soul Surfer. Soul Surfer and another, her second movie, Bethany Hamilton, Unstoppable. Or if you are a reader, you can read the book, Unstoppable, The Art of Never Giving Up. Well, in the life of Bethany and many of us today, you know, when we are filled with um, evil around us, when we are faced with difficulties, challenges in life, God can use to bring about good whenever people intend to bring evil into our lives. People plot against you. People um, make things difficult for you. God can use 
to bring good out of it. But God does not promise to shield us from all sin. Right? God does not promise to shield us from all sin. But we can believe that whatever evil, whenever evil comes, God can accomplish good through it. But after hearing all this, maybe some questions come to your mind and say, why didn't God just stop it from happening? Isn't that easier? Right? Nip it at the bud. Stop it from happening. Or maybe did He cause it to happen? To, for it to happen, that situation in my life, or see the cause, I think it will be quite inappropriate to say that God caused the shark to attack Bethany. But yet at the same time, God allowed the attack to happen. If God did not cause the shark or the evil person in your life, your evil boss or the difficult person uh, in your situation to inflict suffering on you, what language then can we use of God or how can we picture God in our minds? Well, my suggestion is to take a bigger picture instead of a specific situation. Take a step back and say that, and look at the bigger picture. What I'm trying to say is that God temporarily allows the presence of evil to reign, but this evil is within His sovereignty. Right? So God temporarily allows evil to reign, and this evil is within His sovereignty. I'll give you an example of a, a game, a chess game. With a computer. So, me, I'm not a very good chess player, but let's say I'm playing a game of chess with the computer. Well, the computer really does not uh, decide what moves do I make, right? If I want to move the pawn, the king, or the bishop, or the castle, it doesn't involve in that. But the computer can do it in such a way, um, the computer can limit my choices and force, and sometimes force my hand. Well, even though I make independent choices, the computer is in absolute control of the game. So really, if you think about it, neither the word cause nor allow describes the computer's role in my moves. Well, since I cannot find a word that describes the computer's role, it's maybe possible to describe the computer's role in the game instead of my role. Well, the computer controls the game, and since I cannot defeat it, it's similar to how God is like the computer who is sovereign over our lives. Well, sometimes in areas of our lives, or in fact many areas of our lives we cannot control or we do not understand, we can actually look to Job's response in the Bible. And this character Job went through a lot of suffering and pain, lost his family, lost, uh, was inflicted with illness, went through that and when God spoke to Job, this is Job's reply to the Lord. It's found in chapter 42, verse 2. I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. So Job understood that God is sovereign and in control and God has a plan for you and me. Well, further down the chapters, the Lord asked and said to Job that he was angry with his three friends and asked Job to pray for them. And the Lord will accept his prayers. Our human tendency when we face with a difficult situation or unfair, unjust situation is to take revenge like Joseph's brothers. But 1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us and says, Pray continually, give thanks in all situations or circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Also pray continually in what circumstance? All circumstances, right? And the Bible offers us one particular situation, which is found in verse 15, a few verses above uh, the 17th verse that I just read, he says, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. I don't pay back wrong for wrong. And that's a very tall order. 
if you are the one suffering, you are the one um, being bullied in that sense, it's a tall order. And in fact, it is. Because Jesus himself gave this order too. And if we just celebrate Aldous Gate, where the theme is to love our neighbours and our enemies as ourselves. Now Jesus gave this command in Matthew 5.44 to love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And even pray for those who dislike, who you dislike. I'm going to give you a very small, simple um, prayer framework that you can use. If you're not familiar with praying, uh, you can use this simple framework. The first is to address God. Right? You can call Him Papa God if you relate to Him. Yeah, a mighty God, gracious God, loving Father. Call Him who you think He is. Address Him. Second, you can thank Him for bless your blessings. Right? In the morning, I say you can even thank him for a simple. Your, you can eat your favorite chakwetiao. I tell you that it's a blessing in itself. You know you can have a good night rest. That is a blessing by itself. You know, thank him for at least one thing. Bring your request to him. Your situation you're facing at home, your parents quarreling at home, you're unhappy about it. You do not want to see them quarreling. Bring it to the Lord. And finally, close in the name of Jesus. Allow Jesus into that situation and see him work. Well, it goes something like this, a, a small um, example. Almighty Sovereign God, we thank you for this day that we can come together to worship you in church. Please help me in my walk with you and draw me closer to you. In Jesus' name, Amen. So the simple framework and the simple um, prayer that I want to ask you to do. I just want to share with you, got one time uh, with the boys, I was also in school, maybe around sec 2 or sec 3, I can't really remember, and it was the morning assembly. right? The first thing morning assembly is the national anthem. Cannot, cannot start the day without national anthem. So we were all in the sedia attention position and the anthem started playing. Marigita, and then my stomach also, Marigita, turn and turn. You know, I had a very bad stomach ache. You know, to the point that I was controlling my fart out in case the people around me uh, will know uh, and smell it. At that point, there's no mask. Uh. Can you imagine? There's no protection. No. That's it. And the point is, if I were to rush out and go to the toilet, everyone will know that there's something wrong. Uh. This guy confirmed got something wrong. It would be so embarrassing. So I prayed really hard. Right? What other choice do I have? But to pray really hard and God, please hold everything in. Only let go when I reach the toilet. If not, how the uniform, everything will be soiled. It will be very embarrassing. The whole day, gone, destroyed. You know, and I prayed really hard. But why am I sharing you this story? Right? It's to say that we usually we come to God when there is a need. Right? Something out of our control. Something that we have no other choice than we come to the Lord. What I want to encourage each and every one of us today is can we go to the Lord either on a daily or regular basis? Can we come to Him, dwell in His presence, seek after His face? And not when you are in a stomach situation. I pray that you will not be in the same situation as me. But pray that in your daily life, in a regular time, you can spend time with the Lord in prayer. And it doesn't need a lot of time. It can be as short as what I did just now. It was about 30 seconds as I prayed that short prayer. So it says, let me summarize today's um, sermon into three lessons. The first is don't make the mistake of showing favoritism as Jacob did. He'll be at work, in school, in your family. Don't show favoritism. There is a repercussion. You might not know it, um, but there are repercussions. Don't make the mistake of showing off as Joseph did. 
Well, sometimes the best thing is to keep quiet, right? Don't show off as what Joseph did. Third is don't make the mistake of showing jealousy and envy as Joseph's brothers did. I don't take revenge, you know, plot, kill, um, and do things. But even if you have already done so, even if you have to make the mistake, well, whether it's showing favoritism, hurting people's feelings with the wrong words, please know that you know God is in control. He is sovereign of your situation, of the life that you live. You might not understand, you know, we might not understand with our minds. We might not know the reason as to why the situations in our life are happening to us. It might be difficult. But we can call on His name. We can turn to Him in prayer. We can ask Him for His help because He has really never left us nor forsake us. And even in our mistakes, He is in control. So as we sing our response song through it all, may we commit ourselves, we pledge ourselves and sing it to Him, worship Him, declare to Him, surrender and allow God to carry you through all the situations in your life. So come, let's pray. Seek the Lord together. Father, we thank You that You have given us this privilege to come before You in prayer. We come before You as Your children. We come before You as who we are. And Lord, any mistakes that we have made, whether it's favoritism, whether it's um, saying the wrong things, whether it's not saying, not even saying the right things at the right time, whether it's our actions, our thoughts, Lord, we really come before you and lay it down at your feet. Will you just take up, take us into your arms, hold us through the difficult situation of our life as we come and surrender to you. Thank you and give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.